Hey now, welcome back to another episode of the Ruby Rhodes Podcast. I'm your host today, Valentino Stoll, and I'm joined by a very special guest today, Kirill Kutsnikov. Uh, I'm sorry, I Who's totally butchered that. Kutsnikov. We invited you on because uh, you wrote this incredible article on MRSK, which is Rails' new kind of deployment tool, uh, you know, amongst many other things. Uh, you want to just introduce yourself, uh, you know, what you're best known for, and, uh, you know, give us a, a quick little backdrop about this lovely thing we're, we're talking sure, about. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, nice to meet you, and I'm happy to be here with you today. Uh, again, my name is Kier. I am the head of SRE department at Evil Martians. We are a kind of small uh, product development shop. We lately focus our um, general efforts on helping um, uh, developer tools mature and grow and become better selves. Uh, there are about like 50 of us. We are mostly known for our open source projects over the years, and we are known for uh, for our Ruby projects among the Ruby community, how we helped Ruby, Ruby on Rails startups grow too. Uh, but obviously, obviously, we are not doing only that, and we help our clients with the, all the all kinds of stuff. And one of the stuff is their infrastructures, and that's why I am here for them, for Evil Martians, to do my magic and uh, make some infrastructure to host those projects, whatever. And uh, yeah, that's probably a quick recap like that. I can add a little bit more later because I have some cars up my sleeve. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, you know, we're at Doximity, uh, you know, we're a happy customer of Evil Martians. So thank you <laughs> for contributing You're to that. You're very welcome. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, what? so what we're talking about today is deployment tooling. And, uh, you know, Rails now has some out-of-the-box tooling to support that. Uh, you know, I, I'm familiar with Capistrano. That's kind of where I, my bread and butter from where I, you know, came from deployments uh, and then kind of stopped doing it. <laughs> and good, now old I, you, good, know, old good old days. Good old days. And now, now I don't understand it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I understand enough to get by and, you know, help where I can. But uh, it definitely is more and more complex, uh, you know. And, you know, maybe rightfully so, you know, the apps are getting bigger. Uh, things are more complex in the cloud. Um, so why don't you give us kind of like a, a big picture, you know, how is MRSK helping, you know, and, and how is it how has it evolved from just the standard, I have this box, I'm going to deploy to it with Capstrano and be done with it. Okay, okay. Uh, let's just uh, pause here for a bit and step a little bit back because... Uh, to, to speak about that, we need to define some kind of context. And the context here is, like I've said, the infrastructure today uh, and uh, helping people understand where to look or where to search for and how to uh, process the ideas that have to be uh, brought to life, what infrastructure to use, why, why do people need to think about that. And, uh, uh, for example, 
have you ever had a problem where you yourself were faced with the like question, how the heck we should run our project or where, what should we do at this moment yourself? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm always trying to just like cheat and right, pick one and then use that, uh, where really I should be thinking about it. So what, what is your process for that? I'm curious. Like, how do you like, say you're starting with a new project, we can go with there and then evolve, right? Like you're starting fresh with a brand new app. Maybe it's like for a startup environment, right? Uh, you're trying to just get something working for your deployment process that's smooth and will help with the other developers that you have. Like, what do you instantly go for there? Well, uh, yeah, first of all, you're absolutely right. Um, as we're kind of focused on startups, we deal with like 20 to 30 startups a year. And uh, uh, we see a lot of uh, issues with the infrastructures. And we, when we see a fresh startup that needs our help, our first idea is always to evaluate the thought uh, that it is a startup. It should focus on the, the, the business and the project. The, the product, de de uh, delivering that MVP. So uh, the first suggestion, the, the first usual suggestion that we uh, that we give to our clients is to use platforms like Heroku or Flyo, because um, they they are the only thing that offers uh, a startup kind of this bit of magic that helps them focus on the product. And uh, this is the starting point with this investigation, where should we go next? Uh, and a uh, controversial uh, thing here is that probably some startups shouldn't move any further, but some should. And this is always uh, context dependent. Uh, each startup should define its own path. And uh, if we're returning back to MRSK a bit here, uh, for example, uh, MRSK can be already investigated here because this is a nice new tool. Let's 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 switch to it for, for a moment. This is a nice new tool. Uh, we actually are happy that we see more solutions that help you somehow partially manage the infrastructure. Uh, basically, yes, it's a de uh, deployment tool, but it's kind of like stepping into a bit of like, uh, let me do the infrastructure for you. You get where I'm talking? Yeah, where it spins up all those containers, uh, figures out uh, the um, seamless deploys by uh, 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 like shifting the, the, the traffic in between those containers somewhere on the servers, like automatically. <laughs> yeah. So this is a nice step because people started to investigate new uh, ways to do the old stuff because we had Docker for years and we still struggle with running Docker containers. What do we have right now? We have uh, not even Heroku completely uh, suited to running Docker images, to, to my taste. We have... Uh, uh, some service service services as uh, ECS, which are way more complex than Heroku. We have Kubernetes, 
which is scary to most of the people, but we'll return to that. Uh, and uh, we have uh, tools like Docker Compose uh, and uh, other orchestrators that are way more rare for people to be used, uh, to, uh, to be used, yeah? So, Mariski kind of steps in to point out that you can try to simplify uh, things sometimes. And uh, I again say that we do love that point of view. Unfortunately, I see the problem that uh, MRSK kind of, like the aura around MRSK and the presentation of MRSK kind of possesses problem because, presents a problem because MRSK is just like a tool that solves only a single part of the problem, but is presented like uh, in the context where uh, Basecamp and DHH are moving to bare metal setups, massive bare metal setups with their business. And that's an excellent solution for them, but they're missing that part. How do they go from the bare metal servers to the MRSK setup, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious about that. <laughs> um, okay, so where is I, I guess at, in your in your article it's pretty great. You have this like breakdown of kind of like uh, you know how do you decide you know what is right for you, right? Like, and I'm I'm curious, just like what your point blank you know, what is MRSK good for, like, team-wise and app-wise? Like, what are what are the, like, top three things that it does excellent and why people should use it? Excellent question. Um, the first thing that comes out of my mind is prototyping and uh, small experiment setups, which are not like meant to grow exponentially as they are at the moment of their like birth. Or if you have an absolute niche situation where you can benefit from the exact sets of the decisions that will include MRSK, like Basecamp does, for example. It's not the only solution we can discuss a lot of those edge cases, but like, let me just give you a, a downside for, 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 for this situation on the Basecamp side, like on the description of the Basecamp side. Sure. Um, uh, let's, let's do um, uh, like uh, imaginary exercise. Imagine your, uh, that I will uh, provide you with uh, like five bare metal servers, each has 48 scores, tons of memory, whatever. I even like uh, screw them into the racks for you and, and power up. What's your next steps? Lock it down. <laughs> yeah, they're undefined. This is not the solution to manage the infrastructure. This is just a deployment tool, you see? And this is uh, its limitation. This is the main limitation. So if you just need to deploy to a limited set of uh, virtual servers, 
uh, or any service, um, uh, basically, but better virtual servers. Uh, you can't use it for the tasks outside of that uh, situation. You have to do your own homework. You have to do your own preparations. You have to, basically, in the situation that I gave you, you have to either do a manual configuration for those servers. And when I mean manual, you'll obviously expect, you're you're obviously expected to create some infrastructure as code for yourself that will save your, uh, your, uh, (laughs) your future. Yeah. But, um, uh, you basically will invent some, something manual there. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, when we start to grow, you'll, 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 you'll continue to do the manual things until you'll basically be done with that. And you'll either in, reinvent your own virtual server orchestrator, or you'll say to hell with this uh, all and uh, just uh, set up a different solution that will spin up the virtual machines for you, you see? And, uh, but when you get the, I don't know. Uh, you, you need uh, to create yourself a test uh, environment that should be shut down and spun uh, uh, spun up uh, continuously. You can use MRSK for that. For example, on DigitalOcean, Amazon using just their vir- bare virtual machines. And uh, yeah, this will be the this will give uh, give you the feeling of using just the old favorite uh, Capistrano sauce for your project, but you can't build the infrastructure around the MRSK. You need to build your infrastructure uh, like uh, against uh, MRSK, just general infrastructure, not against, but how, how should I say it? Uh, anyway, you will have to uh, to build your inf- your own infrastructure in advance and you have to think about the infrastructure in general and it's way more than just so if, I'm, if, if i'm getting this right uh mrsk is less about like propping up new servers and configuring them and more about like the getting the app on the servers aspect of it uh it's uh, it's a correct statement. Uh, I would have added it's a tool that gets your app on the virtual servers that you already have because that this is the crucial parts that you yeah, o- I mean, yeah that you already have they already have I mean I think that makes a lot of sense uh it makes me think I mean I'm a Linode user you know and they have recipes for propping up new servers, new new virtual containers, things like that, with those resources locked down and, and things already set up with re- existing recipes, right? Like, I feel like that they're not the only platform that does this kind of thing, right? Like DigitalOcean has their droplets. Uh, you know, you can create a new resource, a new, you know, whatever that you're trying to get propped up and have it ready to go to use to deploy an app to, right? Uh, and I think Heroku kind of works like that, uh, where you have to still manually create, you know, the Heroku, uh, you know, resources before you can start to use them, right? Um, and make sure that they Just have... Just with a bit more magic. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a little more magic, right? But it's still the same idea, you know, you set up the resources, then you can use them kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, 
I feel like that makes a lot of sense to me still, right? Uh, this is still slotting more into the Capistrano realm, which I, I like yeah. personally. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's good. It seems good. <laughs> the the yeah. Docker thing, I'm not not complete. You know, Docker is a uh, you know, it's it's a magic that I like. Uh, you know, will it survive forever? I don't know, but uh, it's definitely what is used, right? Um, and so that it seems like that has been like MRSK uses Docker, right? There's no other exactly, yeah, right. Okay, so uh, it's crazy. It's crazy that MRSK has uh, hasn't appeared hadn't uh, hadn't appeared like five six years ago, and it's just. <laughs> Only now that we see it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm so, I guess I'm trying to visualize in my head how much different it is from Capistrano. And we, we had another episode on MRSK uh, where Dave and I kind of dove into pieces of that. Uh, let's see, what episode was that? Uh, I think it was 592. But you know, how does, how does, what, what about MRSK is different from Capistrano? And like, uh, maybe what ways is it similar? But also, you know, what conveniences is it giving it to you in that deployment process? Or like, let's take the step back. Okay. It's not like the Kubernetes, right? It's not the orchestration mm -hmm. of those resources, right? Mm -hmm. Which is what Kubernetes is great at. If you're trying to, if you want to quickly spin up a new server, right? Like a new, create a new resource, like, Kubernetes is great at that, and really MRSK is decidedly not toward that, right? Like, you have a tool for that, you use that. Uh, exactly, so, yeah. Uh, so where where is MRSK, like, uh, you know, how is it different from Capistrano? It's basically what I'm getting at. <laughs> Tricky question you have for me. <laughs> Okay, let's uh, try to figure that out. It's like right now. Well, in my mind, this is the same Capistrano, but with Docker containers. Yeah, okay. because um, do you know what MRSK in general is in 2023? No. Can you imagine that? <laughs> no? Okay, okay. Yeah, that's why you have me here. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, be prepared. The next statement is technically incorrect, but it gives a nice picture or perspective to what MRSK is. MRSK is well thought, well, uh, um, well, uh, like well prepared um, solution that uh, that is basically an Ansible with a, a, a with an appropriate role and some tweaks. Okay, that does just the thing. Of deploying those containers because we saw uh, clients who did basically that same thing a year ago successfully without any struggle with with the just Ansible. Same thing, like literally, literally, <laughs> literally, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, uh, it's great that people start to like polish the tools and uh, make them more comfortable for the particular task. Is It's the, pro the only problem that 
when you polish the tool to perform the only the only task that it was designed to, you should definitely fit into the task and do not step even a step outside. Gotcha. So I guess my follow-up question is, uh, with the the clear separation of like the app deployment process to the like resource deployment process. Uh, have you seen like any issues with that divide, like being like the line drawn in the sand, right? Like uh, as an example, like I'm, I'm thinking of Chef and, or Ansible or something like that, mm-hmm. where like mm-hmm. the two are together and because they're together, there are a lot of benefits to it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen any issues really with that being separate? Mm, can you give me some more context for me to understand the question better? Maybe some yeah. short example. Like, uh, like as an example, like you can have some chef scripts that uh, you know set up the resources and set up like all the different uh, communication between those resources, right? Uh, and then they also will handle the Capistrano if you wanted to encapsulate that in the same processes in their own mm-hmm. recipes, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And so having it shared. Uh, you know, as the app grows, the infrastructure grows with it, and you want to scale things or handle auto scaling. Uh, you know, those things can be handled easier because it's all kind of centralized um, mm-hmm. using the same tooling. Um, so, mm-hmm. have you seen any issues with that being separated, where you have maybe two different tools, MRSK for the deployments of the app, and then something else for the you know management of the resources? Uh... I do and I don't see the issues simultaneously because, yes, uh, it's kind of easier to understand what's going on if you have uh, a single source of truth. And uh, probably you can work excellent solutions around that. Uh, But um, actually, Valentina, uh, I think the question is kind of a bit still... To, uh, the question is still a bit too messed or mixed uh, uh, to the point that there is no uh, exact answer to that. I think we can uh, rephrase the question to the point is uh, how to make the infrastructure and like to, to that I to steer it to- towards that idea because uh, the deployment of the app is just one part. And you're talking about like this shift around the separation or uh, uh, adding all the things into one place. Uh, It's about managing the whole infrastructure, right? Right. Yeah, so... so Yeah, let's hone in on a specific thing then, right? Like, let's say we're introducing something new to the application deployment process that is like an, an addition of an email server or something like that, right? where it's a, another resource that we've added that we need to integrate with the app that has a new deployment uh, process coming into mm-hmm. Maybe Redis is a better example, right? Where we didn't have Redis before, now we have Redis, and the deployment process needs to, I don't know, uh, also in, introduce some new configurations, uh, you know, mm-hmm. settings uh, that were configured externally uh, or are managed externally, mm-hmm. but the application still needs to set up that link itself into that deployment process, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so like having that separation, right? Like, is that really a, like a a bad thing, right? Like, is it is it really 
harder to manage uh, than yes, it, it is harder it is. to manage. You can you can uh, forget about something like with the, with that same uh, MRSK problem. Uh, there is a separation between like the uh, real virtual servers, unintended, <laughs> uh, uh, that you have on your setup and the configuration file for MRSK itself. They are in separate places, and you need to figure out yourself this this connection thingy that will okay. allow you to 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 be solid on your path here and. Uh, the solution for that always was uh, service uh, service discovery. Yeah, integrates it into the core idea for your infrastructure, at least partial service discovery. Uh, when we had no uh, Docker, or when we had no um, Kubernetes or any other orchestrators, per se. Uh, we had to rely on different things, and uh, uh, there there was Chef uh, Discovery magic inside the code while the Chef server Ansible did some facts uh, aggregation from the ground up. We had uh, excellent tooling uh, from, uh, and we still have them from uh, HashiCorp. The whole HashiCorp stack yep. was born. To 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 highlight the problem that people you are doing something wrong you're 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 splitting the parts too far away from each other you're you're just uh, uh, driving all these cruise ships manually pulling all the strings this is wrong <laughs> you know not not cruise ships like. Uh, uh, this uh, freight ships with a lot of oh yeah <laughs> uh, goods on them, you know, and this th- this is a disaster. You need some tooling, and uh, that's why uh, we like, uh, for example, Kubernetes. Let's let's uh, give a, a, a different like uh, perspective here on what's what's happening on the other side. In Kubernetes, if you got yourself a Kubernetes, obviously there is some separation too because you have to get yourself a Kubernetes somehow, either on a cloud or on a bare metal service, and it's obviously hard. Uh, on bare metal, it's harder on the bare metal. You have to have some level of ex- expertise there too. But can you elaborate uh, you, on that? Because I've I've never had to set that up. <laughs> uh, well, I can, but uh, probably just a bit later because we have. Different topic right now. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We can we can jump into that. I can give you some perspective for sure. sure. Uh, yeah, uh, there is in Kubernetes there is an idea that you have. Um, it's not a single source of truth, but you have a unified way to address uh, things around yourself. You have a unified API which is extendable. Uh, you have the idea of uh, service discovery using that API uh, just like from the ground up. It was built around this. And it was built uh, like that uh, on purpose to to make things know, uh, to, to, to uh, let me restart the phrase. And it was built like that uh, in purpose to make you 
be able to walk around and to make your application walk around and see things like people do. Like, you know, that we, we, we need, for example, we understand that we need to go to the shop. We look for a shop, we go there, yeah? Same way you can uh, do your stuff inside like Kubernetes API. It's, it's a crude example, but it is what it is, yeah? Uh, for, for us to understand the idea. Yep. Uh, and this is what we like because that way we we can simplify the not only the deployment process, but the deployment process across multiple systems because they start to know something about each other or the scale uh, up or scale down uh, situations or the um, self-healing situations, which is uh, uh, advertised by Kubernetes. But that's basically because there is some additional knowledge incorporated in the uh, surrounding infrastructure there which you don't have when you just talk about a single tool. So, yeah, it's kind of, MRSK is kind of like Capistrano for Docker, and that's it. It's or Ansible, which was strips of the additional uh, capabilities to just streamline your application to, uh, to the dedicated virtual machine. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, I like that in this case <laughs> because I, you know, because I come from Capistrano. <laughs> yeah, so I, it's me easier too. for me, me too. To, you know, it's easier for me to reason about. Uh, you know, and mostly because I don't have much Kubernetes experience, <laughs> uh, yeah, which, yeah. which you know, maybe people don't need anyway, right? Uh, I feel like introducing Kubernetes as a startup is probably a, a bad decision, right? Um, in, in most cases. Uh, interesting question. Interesting question. Is it? Uh, maybe we, yeah, <laughs> maybe we can, uh, w- w- uh, just a suggestion. Maybe we can just describe this, like the general idea of how you choose your infrastructure just a bit further. Yeah. If you will. Yeah, I mean, I'd love, I'd love to know your thought process, right? Like as you're coming into it, what do you weigh? Yeah. So uh, you see, we have, uh, uh, first of all, we have some experience. We see what people, what problems people face. Uh, around us, and uh, yeah, we are experienced with uh, Heroku deploys, uh, Capistrano deploys, Ansible deploys, and Kubernetes deploys, and uh, deploys to tools like ECS or whatever. Yeah, you name it. <laughs> um, so, uh, like I was talking before, we recommend startups to 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 start their life from Heroku because this allows them to keep their focus. And basically, they should keep their focus as long as they can. This is the the general suggestions from us uh, when we uh, investigate and research the situation, how to help in uh, in each particular situation. Obviously, there there may, may be some problems on this way. For example, the costs are skyrocketing. Like, the, the 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 most popular example, but yep. this is not a problem. You see, this is uh, a situation, and the problem is somewhere inside, underneath. Uh, and uh, we need to always figure out that problem because usually, like ninety nine point nine percent of the time, it's some kind of like a technical limitation that makes you just drop your money there 
and uh, like empty your credit cards, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I'm, I'm curious, what are, just uh, briefly on that, like what are some of like the most common, like, you know, wallet emptying things that you've seen? Oh, a number of them. Uh, the, I, I don't even have the common one here. <laughs> uh, first that comes to my mind is the blows of the database. Like, uh, see, Okay, we can we can tackle this example. Excellent one, actually. Uh, for example, you start to pay enormous money, enormous amount of money for your database. It's a technical problem. It's not a financial problem. You need to investigate what's happening with your uh, product. And uh, for example, you really do need that kind of uh, data, that that kind of amount of data that you're processing. But that raises the second question. Why didn't uh, uh, the business uh, uh, investigated that on its side? Because maybe the technical uh, uh, realization, technical solution is not what really business wants to, or vice versa, yeah? Uh, and uh, this needs to be in sync. This is the first like bell that rings that is crucial for, for any business and technical team to, to uh, of that business to watch for too, to tell the business there's something wrong. It's always uh, the problem of that sync between the business goals and the technical uh, solutions for these goals. If they aren't in sync, the problem is not money. The problem is with business always here. Uh, this is this is so true. That what a great point. I mean, I don't know how many companies I've been at where you know a, a product decision has been made, and then it's like nobody asked why are we making this decision, <laughs> and they just build yeah. it, and then and then it turns out you know a year or so later, oh, we didn't really need that. We needed this other like tiny little thing, uh, and you know technically speaking, and you know we didn't even need to build it <laughs> to begin with. You know, and yeah. uh, we could have we could have used like S3 or just a Google spreadsheet, right? Like uh, for, for the front end part of the process to pipeline it in to where they needed it, right? Like there's so many things that can be just like saved from like asking the why question, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, five times, five times. Remember <laughs> that this is a good framework. Yeah, I'm serious. I'm dead serious. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's real. It's it's. Uh, I forgot the name of this idea, but you have to ask uh, why at least five times and go deeper with each iteration. Like, why do we pay so much money? Because the database is growing. Why the database is growing? Because, for example, we have a database bloat. Why we, do we have the database bloat? For example, it's technical uh, error or we do really have this kind of load that we are not just dealing with correctly. Why aren't we dealing with uh, with this load correctly? Why don't we process the data that, that way that we can that the database can keep up and clean up itself, etc., etc., etc. Yeah. Why isn't business aware of this problem? You you see where I'm where, where I'm going. But I can I can imagine the second example for you. This is especially for this episode. Because uh, it uh, involves MRSK, um, Maersk, probably, yeah. Um, 
uh, imagine you have Linode. You, you said you were using Linode, yeah? Uh, imagine you have like, I don't know, 20 servers. You did a deployment of a Ruby application across all those servers. Uh, with MRSK, you're absolutely happy with it. Uh, happy with it. It's running perfectly. Suddenly, Sunday evening, it fails. What do you do? How do you know it failed? I would say, uh, you know, probably like a, a bug snag alert or something, right? <laughs> well, you need uh, some kind of like instrumentation and monitoring yeah, solution. Yeah, exactly. What uh, what's uh, uh, let, let's let's be general and say monitoring solution at least like web checks. Uh, uh, what monitoring solution can you implement for this kind of project? Like a backsnack, like a data dog, like a new relic, whatever. And uh, you you basically we can simplify that and say that you basically have to buy yourself. Uh, monitoring solution service. And now you have like, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, maybe 20 servers were, were too much for this example, but like, I don't know, five servers. And you have a bill for like 300 bucks for your uh, Linode uh, virtual machines. And you, get, you can get yourself in a situation where you get, on the other hand, a bill for like five to eight thousand dollars for the data dog. <laughs> again, why? And yeah, th again, this is kind of like technical problem. That uh, and how should we tackle this problem? We need to always think about the infrastructure. And the only part, uh, the only parts of the life of the, of uh, of any project. Uh, that can skip a bit on it is when you start and you try to move on Heroku as far as you can, but already you will face some technical limitations eventually or like restrictions. For example, you uh, you need some compliances to be to, to pass some compliance tests. Or security requirements, new security requirements, whatever that restricts you from using Heroku. This is the second example. Um, at this point, you already have to be prepared to know your next steps, how you how you will evolve your infrastructure. Right? Yeah. Right. And uh, this is kind of like a stop point for us always, and we try to emphasize here. Uh, for any project that comes to us. Guys, find yourself an SRE team. We don't <laughs> care how. I don't know, grow them. Uh, uh, I don't know, get them from the moon, from the Mars, from uh, uh, get your get your dad to learn uh, 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 AWS or Kubernetes. We don't care. Like, get yourself a team that will think about that, that will have a task of thinking about the overall situation of your infrastructure. You can hire basically us. We do that. We we provide infrastructure support with twenty four seven uh, uh, on call. Wow. We uh, yeah we 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 can do this. We, we and we especially do this with Kubernetes because it's basically 
easier for us to provide some more reliable infrastructure, even on like a smaller scale on Kubernetes with all the support, with all the uh, like uh, like smaller to bigger like SLAs. I mean, like in, yep. in the scope of this SLAs. Uh, because we already invested a lot of our time to figure our ins and outs. If you don't want that, you can you can go anyway, but get yourself a team. Because uh, we we for example had a lot of situations where we already see a project running, for example, on AWS, ECS, and do not have enough monitoring. They they just pay a ridiculous amount of money to DataDoc or New Relic, and they still don't get enough uh, enough insights. Yes, the, the, uh, these solutions provide you with excellent uh, you know, instrumentation options, but still any step outside of the, of the general configuration, and you either have to pay more money, even more money, and nobody thought about it, or, and, uh, or you are like, not allowed because you are limited by the, 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 the money, for example, and no, or any, any, any other situation is, is applicable here too. Uh, and you can't implement uh, additional insights, for example. I don't know. Uh, it's hard out of the box to, to know if your container, an e- ECS, was restarted a number of times, for example. So, so it's failing, basically. You don't yeah. have this, and a lot of a lot of projects are in this situation, and they are afraid to move on. They are afraid because they are afraid to uh, to invest in the infrastructure team. At least one person hire right. it. It will be it will be cheaper for you, or hire us. It will be uh, the price will be comparable. Yeah, it will be additional one. You need to think. You need to check the price. So one of the metrics. If you should move outside Heroku, or if you should just uh, really tackle the money situation, for example, with this metrics solutions or with Heroku itself, right? Does Heroku or Datadog, place whatever there, cost you more than the new infrastructure that you can uh, imagine, plus the team of the size <laughs> that is needed to manage this infrastructure? Right. If it's higher. Then you're in the spot. This is like a solution to check yourself. The, the 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 question to check yourself. If this question is yes, it's higher. The 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 first one is higher. The Heroku price is higher. You definitely need to start rethinking your your situation in your next steps. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's a great analysis. Uh, I never thought about it like that. Like uh, you know. I, I guess most people won't. <laughs> just sure. just Go ahead. I, I'm really sorry. And uh, yeah, this will be hard, hard uh, uh, thing to swallow. But uh, if it's cheaper than that, you either have a business problem or just don't like com- uh, complain about money. Pay them and do your business. Right. Yeah, I feel like that's probably one of the hardest decisions uh, as a business is to spend the money on their infrastructure because it is kind of like a behind the scenes costs that if you're not technical, right? Like it does just seem like, why am I paying this? Right? Like, and it has to be paid. <laughs> I mean, especially yeah. as things like if it, you, if you run into a business problem and it's, it's the problem, you know, e- even still like <clears throat> as a business person, you're not going to understand that the reason technically why, right? Like that the problem exists <laughs> and that it needs to be fixed. Uh, 
And so it does. It's, it's probably hard for a, a business owner that's not technical to de- make that decision, right? Uh, and so yeah. I, I think that it's definitely a thing that's missed, though, is adding up that cost. Like, And maybe this is something that should be planned for when you're first starting out, right? Like, what is the cost of an infrastructure person to hire, right? And, uh, you know, what at what point does that cost? And I mean, your equation is perfect, uh, you know, adding up all the costs of, okay, what's my break even point for that infrastructure team, right? And like, okay, once we get there, we need to at least start thinking about it or or starting exactly. right to transition. Uh, and that's that's perfect. Uh, and I, I feel like people don't plan for it. It's kind of like, yeah. it, it becomes like an emergency, right? Like, oh no, we're spending too much money. Now we're bleeding. <laughs> You're taking the words out of my mouth, literally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah um, so we, we, we actually had a situation where a client came to us with the AWS EC, ECS infrastructure and uh, some services around it. And uh, he, uh, uh, they had a strict uh, restriction where they, they, we don't want to change the way the infrastructure is. I'm really sorry, the way that the infrastructure is right now. And we literally spent more money introducing the workarounds for the problems that they had. Uh, that's, uh, we spent more, they spent more money on us than if they would have hired us to introduce them the full-scale Kubernetes cluster with a support worth like 10 months or nine months, 24-7 on-call, 80 hours, 40 or 80 hours a month, something like that. So yeah, you need to always do these calculations in your head. Yeah. So I'm... I'm curious, like trying to bring the conversation back back to like MRSK, right? Like uh, thinking about these like costs and like infrastructure setups and transitions, right? Like where does MRSK provide value in that, right? Like if if you start with MRSK, uh, at, or or even if you adopt it at like you know tail ends, uh, like if you weaned off of, uh, I guess we have two different directions, right? If you transition from something else like Heroku to MRSK? Where's the value there? And what what value does it provide if you've started there? Uh, Actually, I uh, really like the point in time where you ask this question to return to MRSK, but uh, I'll be pressing the general idea here. I'll try to incorporate MRSK uh, as much as I can here. We don't Uh, don't have to be specific about it. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, you see, uh, I've just talked about find yourself an S3 team. After that, you probably should not care what do they do for the infrastructure. Like, I mean, you, do, you don't need to listen for the uh, hyped, uh, solution, hyped uh, topics like, okay, we have a brand new platform, we need to go there. Or we have a brand new database, we need to go there. Or just move to BML, it will be cheaper. This is wrong. This is mass plus the technical solutions that your team is capable of doing. If your if your team is capable of doing and uh, a perfectly functioning solution based on the Mersky, like for example, Basecamp does, because they have a brilliant team. Yes, it's not big, but they're brilliant, and they have a very specific situation where they are 
uh, where their business is pretty stable. It's huge and it's stable. And so, uh, look at look at this. Uh, like, look at my hands. They have a stable business. This is a math business slash math problem that is resolved. They know their money. <laughs> they have a team figured figured uh, f- figured out before, and which can s- select any solutions that fit their needs and solve any problems that is uh, not automatically solved by this solution. I don't know, if they choose Kubernetes, they may figure out they need to, I don't know, write some uh, uh, operators, additional operators just for them. We saw that in our experience too. Or it's too complex. We don't want to figure out Kubernetes. We can, but we can, we already have the uh, expertise to run our own virtual machines like Basecamp does and just run uh, MRSK on top of them. This is a perfect solution gotcha. for them. So just let your team do the magic there. Keep your keep your uh, focus on the uh, whys. Why are you doing that? Get the data. Ask your whys and ask your uh, um, and do your math on how much does it cost. Compare the situation if. It fits into your budget. You're probably doing right. If you can do something uh, more efficient, that's that comes from more wise. Why do we need Kubernetes? Because, for example, in our case, we can provide you with a stable Kubernetes, way cheaper than we will. Then we will like basically write yourself uh, custom uh, infrastructure on on ECS for 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 that particular situation, and this will have much more perks for you. Or uh, we just say you that, yeah, uh, stay on Heroku and don't bother with that for at least next three months. Pay us like $300 for this consultation and see you in three months or a half a year or a year. You're welcome. We saved you like a few, few, like a few 10 to 20,000 bucks. Yeah. In in a short term. Uh, (laughs) This is it. And uh, back to Mariskay one more time. Actually, this is just a tool. You see, this is just a tool. All, uh, for example, you can use your notebook uh, like for editing video and you can use your notebook just for typing code. And uh, obviously, in each situation, you have a different setup, and you put your effort to to tinker that setup for uh, no. I'm sorry, laptop, laptop, obvious. Yep, my bad. Yeah, um, um, uh, and you put your efforts into the uh, those two uh, those two different directions. But uh, your starting point was the same. It was only the uh, the task that defines your actions. Uh, based on this task, you bought the exact hardware for, uh, uh, included in that laptop. Yep. For example, more RAM or uh, dedicated graphics card, whatever. Yeah. You can. Combine the the solutions. You can do both tasks 
both tasks. But again, this is the uh, this is the goal that you've set for yourself. So you figured out how to solve this goal. Right. That's as simple as it is. You don't need to overthink it. Yeah, you, you bring up a really good point of like local development uh, that I think is solved by Docker in some ways, right? Uh, is the more you can virtualize and have everybody on a, a, a production-like system, right? Probably the, the less problems you'll have infrastructure-related when it comes time to using that same app that you've been using locally. Uh, there are obvious, <laughs> obvious uh, you know, caveats to that statement. Um, but for the most part, I feel like that's true. Like we're having worked in a, a Docker, like, you know, container uh, environment, uh, it has definitely, uh, solved some infrastructure related issues, uh, that would have eventually happened caught earlier because I was using the same kind of infrastructure that it was being deployed to. Um, but I had some questions about your, like, uh, how you think about pricing and, and doing those equations, right? Like, I think one of the biggest problems uh, business owners face is like kind of like the hidden costs to everything, right? Like as a perfect example, everybody's like, oh, Amazon's so cheap. Like just use Amazon, right? Like, and people go to use Amazon and then they get their bill and they're just like, whoa, I thought this was cheap, right? <laughs> and, you know, they don't add up all the additional costs of all the different resources that they needed at the time uh, until they realized, you know, what everything it was that they needed. Uh, and maybe it, that they've configured it, you know, not ideally for the case that they are transitioning to, uh, which is actual the business running and popular, right? <laughs> uh, and now they're stuck with their setup. And because of how they set it up, it's costing them more, right? Like, how do people kind of, how do you like help people think about those costs without knowing that they exist already, right? Um... I love the twist. I love the <laughs> twist. I have, to, I have to admit that this is excellent. Yeah, we, we, we like talking, we're like talking uh, in general here and forgetting about Amerski, but yeah, <laughs> this is an, this actual uh, a brilliant twist. Um, you see, there are no cheap solutions. <laughs> no cheap solutions. You, you will be uh, hit with bills everywhere. Uh, and uh, the 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 only thing that you can do is to figure out your own way. And how do you figure out your own way? Like all uh, startups does uh, do. Uh, basically, it's the same idea. You do experiments as fast as you can. You define the goals. You def- you get the limitations. Uh, you figure out the limitations to get to these goals, and you start to work around those limitations. Again, it's, it's all about investigating your situation. Uh, uh, always uh, expect uh, to 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 get huge amount of costs, and always expect to work around them and try to reduce them uh, gradually. And uh, how do you do these experiments? This is actually one of the next parts of that framework uh, inside my head. Uh, and that we present to our clients. Figure out the limitations. Like for example, uh, the simple one: you need to uh, you need to do 
three business experiments in the next like two months where you'll get you'll be hit by a huge amount of loads on your infrastructure for example you uh, you'll run you, you will run some ad campaigns just to experiment will your business get uh, get up to the up to the speed will you be able to use bare metal service there hmm? yeah i mean the clock <laughs> is good, ticking the clock is ticking it's <laughs> a good question <laughs> Okay, I, I, I'll reduce the the, uh, the anxiety here. No, you won't. You will have to use uh, public clouds. Uh, you will have to figure out something. Uh, and you have to do it because this will help you figure out your costs on public cloud. Yes, you'll lose some money, but you'll know the data and you'll be able to to step back because public clouds, they, you just shut them down in a, in an hour or two and that's it. You're, you had your experiments and you have the data that you can work on. You, you can decide, yeah, I, I was right about the ads. I was wrong about the, I don't know, the technical solutions or vice versa. So I should continue using public clouds. I'll be able to squeeze more of them. I can optimize here and there and get the situation up and running because I have this limitation and I know what to do with it. Or you, you're... For example, your application, we, we actually had a project where uh, we just had bare metal servers because we had one interesting technical limitation. We needed extremely powerful uh, database server because we were doing, I guess, some cohort analysis and it was like seven years ago. So uh, the cost of the same machine on a public cloud would be skyrocketed and we had limited budget. And that was our technical limitations. We figured out that exact solution and we worked around how we can uh, like uh, uh, invest the rest of the money to make it work. We hired like two guys, like I joined the project and we hired another guy who worked on this, uh, on this project full time, basically. Like we shared, we, we, like, I, I think it was like one and a half pers- uh, person per month working on this project and we figured how to how to squeeze into the budget because we had the strict technical limitations and uh, uh, the the power of the old systems were lower especially on public clouds same goes vice versa you may uh, you you may uh, like i've said earlier you may face you you may be in charge of a project like we have uh, clients uh, and they uh, organize uh, public events online, like uh, uh, during the COVID. Uh, and uh, they have load for like a few hours a month. No, you won't be buying yourself uh, bare metal servers. And oh, um, here comes Summer Escape. Uh, if you have your uh, limitations figured, for example, you or you have a person who who thinks about it, who figured out how you will do the the deployment stuff, how you will do the monitoring stuff, how you will do the log segregation stuff, uh, how to I don't know organize your infrastructure as a code and link all these things together. It may be wise to pay him, like, like to to invest like 
a few additional uh, thousand bucks per month into him, into his time, and uh, get yourself a stable infrastructure, which will which will be run on MRSK. But uh, you will need only like one person. For example, like for example, like you will need only one person because it will be easier for him to understand the whole infrastructure. He'll be able to spend more time, more of his time, figuring it out, figuring out how he will work around the limitations that he has. And uh, yeah, he may not be the Kubernetes expert, but uh, he 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 will be paid to think around the situation that you have, and you will benefit from that. Uh, you, on the other hand, you may. Uh, uh, decide to invest your money, for example, like uh, in uh, in the solution that we sometimes suggest from our side. Yeah, like just give us a few weeks to like a month of time initially. We'll spin up your uh, your new Kubernetes infrastructure that you never thought of. We'll do some magic there. We'll give you our prepared. Uh, internal framework which is based on absolutely like open source projects so it will be accessible for you 100% and it's possible for you to understand its its ins and outs on yourself and hire yourself uh, your own specialist to manage it if you're afraid of but the after this period you'll be able to just rely on us to uh, to keep it up and running reliably knowing all the limitations we were because we were thinking about these limitations for years, and this will cost you compared to hiring a specialist. But if you don't hire anyone, expect to work around uh, the limitations on your own. And why are you complaining, guys? <laughs> yeah, I feel like most people will just, you know, they don't want to, they know that there's costs coming for Heroku or something like this. And they know enough to, you know, prop up their own resources uh, and they'll, you know, go to deploy. And then they, you know, the next step comes, well, how are you monitoring this? And, you know, who is monitoring that? And it's you. <laughs> and uh, oftentimes... Wrong, wrong, wrong. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Wrong. In these situations, it, often nobody is the correct nobody, Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, eventually, because you're doing other things, right? <laughs> you're yeah. doing your business, you're, you're or you're doing, your doing the products. You're making <laughs> so your products. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, so in that way, I mean, I know I have tested uh, Docker containers before, like just playing with, oh, like if I move this app over to this new pro provider, do I save any money on that? Uh, and it's definitely an experiment worth testing out if if you have uh, you know, a deployment tool in place that can make that easy to do. Um, and so that's where I'm kind of like hopeful of MRSK providing that ability to like make the experimentation easier. Uh, and, and I don't mean like resource, like infrastructure setting up and configuration, right? Uh, because if, if you're already in that space of using MRSK, I feel like you already know kind of how to, what is involved in setting up resources. No, you don't think that's mostly the case? Uh, I'm sorry, I don't uh, I don't think so. Because 
um, that's why I was like um, throwing the word experimentation and the test environments yeah. because um, when people start to do that, uh, that uh, MVP, for example, or um, or a setup that tests their tests their idea, they're still focused on the idea. They are not thinking about the infrastructure that will be that will sustain your project for long. Yeah. So it's still the mindset where you're just like, but I uh, where where you just, where you just think, but I can deploy the, the 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 application. The problem is solved. No, the problem is not solved. And this is where uh, it, it, it gets like uh, bloody, because uh, you have to think about the the whole situation. Who like like we were we were just talking uh, about this before. Who will be uh, uh, in charge of the of the problems for that infrastructure? How this problems should be solved? How you can uh, work around the, the possible downtimes? Whatever, there is a huge uh, amount of uh, topics there, uh, and uh, the the tool that uh, uh, solves only the deployment uh, situation is just a tool that solves the deployment situation. And this is a great way to start your experiment. You can work around this tool to grow a bit or or uh, to to a huge amount, but you need to do the work around the whole situation. Never forget that your project is not just like running in a thin air, just hanging there. Yeah, there are that's... business problems around and there are technical problems around that are outside of the scope of the deployment. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I keep circling back to, uh, <laughs> you know... I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> weighing, weighing your costs, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it, it's funny that you do mention the like uh, what I was getting at with like experimentation and I, I'm going to take, we keep talking about Basecamp. Uh, there's this article that they have on signal versus noise uh, on using uh, spot instances for like mm -hmm. specific, you know, background tasks that they knew uh, that they were just like spending too much money on for uh, the amount of uh, processing that it was doing. Uh, mm -hmm. And then they switched to using uh, spot instances and it came with its own problems. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but because course, the, but because they had thought it through and had like kind of the people there uh, to work through those problems and think through them, um, you know, it it became less of an, a problem for them. Um, but exactly. it's funny because you know it, in the end they you know they will probably cannibalize the, all of their work on this, uh, and I think that's a good point to bring up is that these experimentations, you know may lead to like nothing and that's okay right like it's it's not always worth the time to uh invest in these experiments right uh where you're testing uh you know what what you can and can't do with your infrastructure uh and i feel like that's a common thing that's not done right like and maybe there's probably a, a framework or something uh, i'm not thinking of that uh you know not necessarily coding wise but uh you know, where you where there's a process for testing, you know, these specific goals, or uh, you know, maybe you have some, uh, you know, pricing that you're trying to cut down a certain amount, mm -hmm. right? Um, where you can go through a process of okay, we have this long to test this. 
uh, and we know that we're willing to spend this much money investigating, right? Uh, no matter what. So if we eat it, that's fine. But if not, we can save, you know, we hope to save this, right? Uh, and in the end, I feel like more often than not, uh, your infrastructure is better for it, <laughs> right? Like of course. You, will, you will save more money just from that investigation process uh, because people have learned and investigated and gotten to all those contact points that you ignore, right? Because I know yeah. when, when I do a, you know, a one-off project or something, like, you know, I, it's not my business, but like, you know, as most startups, like you the prop up the infrastructure, whatever you start with, and then you just like, well, now I need to do the product, right? Like you're saying. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it does, it goes in the background. And then like, uh, if you can do these sprints, like it's always worth it. Like spend the money, you're going to be spending it anyway. Uh, the sooner mm-hmm. you can run the experiments, the better. Uh, but it's hard, I guess, to, to, to decide to do that over product, right? Um, so I don't know. Do you have any closing statements on that? Like, how do you know the right time to invest in infrastructure versus product development? Actually, I already told you about right. that. It's, a, it's the formula, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, uh, always watch out for the technical limitations, which are highlighted by money sometimes. Uh, expect there are some technical limitations behind your mo- uh, behind the money that you see the, the amount of money that you see on the bill, uh, and uh, do that math periodically. Uh, like, uh, will you be able to reduce the costs of the infrastructure if you hire yourself a proper team which knows ins and outs of a different kind of infrastructure, or grow it yourself or hire a company to free to help you there. You may be, uh, you may be like, uh, you may get some additional value there, because sometimes the the, the answer may be unexpected at uh, first, because the answer like stay st- still stay with your old infrastructure and figure out more business things for now, may be as valuable as. Uh, how should we reduce the costs? Or yes, you can like do those experiments. Actually, I have one great thing to like um, add to your uh, final thought. Uh, I love this thing that called growth hacking. We actually uh, really uh, had a great experience with this concept. And implementing it on on some of our projects where the clients were open to to some new ideas, and those were pretty huge clients. And uh, yeah, this helps sometimes drastically, and it can be applied in all the the ways, like in business and in the technical stuff. Like do the like define define uh, the the basic idea is there. There's you create an assumption. I don't know the right words in English how they how they they call it in the framework, but you uh, you you figure out some assumption, you set the metric which you will which uh, will be monitored by you to evaluate that assumption, and you set a time limit after which you do this evaluation. If it works for you, you you have a win. If it doesn't, 
just stop, try the next assumption. You can always try to use this, this framework. It has strict rules how not to go circles, but this is outside of the current topic. But yeah, this is a valuable framework uh, for for resolving some problems. Yeah, I'm a big fan of growth hacking. Uh, it reminds me of uh, AppSumo. Uh, they used to have a, uh, I don't know what you call it, like a workshop. Uh, and they would have you... Uh, if you were interested about building your own company or your business, they were like, well, just try and sell something on Craigslist, right? And see if you mm. can get people to pay you money for something that you were trying to sell. It doesn't even have to exist, right? And you can refund the money. And like, they just did this experiment. Like, if you can get somebody to buy something from you, then that proves it's valuable, right? Like, and if you, if you like think that you have this great idea that's going to make, you know, thousands of people like, you have to prove it, right? <laughs> and yeah, I right. feel, and you know, that's true, like of of not just selling, right? Like it's it's true of the infrastructure too. Like if if you decide to use MRSK, right? Like you have to prove that there's value in that for you, uh, you for know, you, for you, for you, right? And I think that's kind of like an underlying thing here is like it's it's not for everybody. It's not like a one all. This is the deployment tool you're going to use for Rails, right? Uh, and that's fair. Uh, because it's you know nothing is <laughs> you know yeah, even yeah, yeah. even setting up your business uh, you can follow the growth hacking and still not make any money you know <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> all right I guess this this was our first pick about growth hacking yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah speaking of which uh, you know we're we're coming to the end of the show here uh, are there is there anything else you wanted to touch on briefly here before we uh, move into picks? Mm, I don't know. I just uh, can maybe I can tell you that uh, we'll be glad to help anyone with infrastructure. Yeah, because we see that a lot of people around us struggling with that, and uh, we we urge people to try and think about this just a bit more, and we are ready to help with that just a small like advertisement, but it's really honest here. Yeah, I mean, I've followed quite a few of the Evil Martians blog posts that have helped me uh, in, in my deployment struggles. So, you know, thank you for that. <laughs> uh, but, You're welcome. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's move into picks. I can go first, uh, just to please set do. the stage here. Uh, make please, it do, for please do, please uh, do. Let's see. I, I've been on. Uh, I just got back from sabbatical, and uh, I, I've been playing Zelda: Tears of Kingdom, which is just Whoa. a phenomenal game. Um, <laughs> I very impressive. Uh, I can't speak highly enough of it. Uh, probably wasted way too much time <laughs> just on the couch. But mm -hmm. uh, outside of that, uh, well, there was one other thing I wanted to share here. Uh, this is really... I, I try and do a funny pick every time. Uh, that Somebody has used AI to uh, have Elvis sing Baby Got Back, <laughs> which oh. uh, is a, uh, a popular uh, song from the 90s. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, okay. But it's, it's so funny, and uh, I, I'm kind of looking forward to more uh, remixes like this. Uh, uh, let, so, let me save the link. <laughs> so, so check it out. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I need I, I need to save it. Just give me a sec and I'll give you my picks. Uh, okay, if we're talking, uh, c- can I continue? Yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah. What do you first? got? Yeah, thank you. If uh, we're talking about games, I'm not like a huge gamer myself, but I recently stumbled upon this game that is called uh, Rain World. I was fascinated how how like um organic it is even if it's like a pixelated game i really do want to spend some time playing it uh like if you haven't seen the 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 game process and the game uh, uh physics uh do so uh, it's it's amazing it's like totally different level for a platformer to be like that yeah uh, and uh my actual pick for today Actually, I'm recently uh, into some 3D printing and I do believe it's not like for everyone, but it's it's like a huge world and it allows my inner engineer to not only tackle uh, kind of software engineering, but actual hardware engineering. And I can give you some example. Uh, for example, I used the keyboard, a keyboard like that, which is mostly 3D printed by me. Uh, it's uh, and the the other thing that is uh, amazing that these are the open projects, so it's like real physical open source inside this community. And uh, I don't know how the frame will be cropped, but I literally have uh, like a 3D printer frame here that I'm assembling right now, step by step. It will take a lot of time, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, these. These are the open projects that you open and you start to to assemble, or you, and you obviously modify them. And this is huge, huge. Like that is so it solves cool. some problems. Like I, I needed a compact ergonomic keyboard. I did it myself. Are you printing uh, the like, keycaps too? Uh, not these exact ones, but on a different keyboards, I've printed keycaps, and they That's look awesome. way better on that keyboard than the original ones. Oh, really? Yeah, because I, they I sculpted in a different them. way. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, that keyboard is flat, and they are sculpted to make it uh, like three D, uh, three dimensional kinda, so oh, they are cool. more comfortable. That's great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that link. I'm going to I'm going to have to play with that as well. Uh yeah, um I can probably give you some links to this keyboards for example. It's it's an it's a project by the guy whose uh, nickname is Bastard KB. He does an amazing job and I can give you the link to the printer that I am trying to build kind of <laughs> the, That's awesome. These are open source. These are open source. I know it's mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, I can I can touch open source. I, it's not bits and bytes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of. Uh, uh, I should add another pick here. You just reminded me of uh, Tom's Hardware or Tom's Guide. They have like a uh, 3D printing, like best of 3D printing for the year, like roundup. Uh And uh, uh it's all just stuff you could download and use. And like some of the composition, like I didn't even think like you could build parts of stuff that like fit together and like make like 3D sculptures and stuff. You know, the more like you get into like, they have this great roundup of just like the wildest things that you can print. 
<laughs> all open yeah. and you just quick download and print it. It's what it's wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a mind blowing community. I don't know how it can exist, but it exists and right. it's awesome. <laughs> amazing. Well, uh thank you for coming on. This was a great conversation. Uh, you know, I'm glad we didn't dive too heavily into the, you know, technical discussion of MRSK because uh, you know, we we've done that in another episode, but also, you know, I love the how the conversation evolved. Uh, from pricing and investigation and just all of the infrastructure related things that you know aren't MRSK that you should be thinking about while you're diving in and uh, you know it is definitely kind of a breath of fresh air to think about uh, and talk about so thank you thank you so much yep yeah uh, I'm I'm really glad that you called me to this podcast I'm honored to be here and this was a great conversation thank you for your questions and for like allowing me to steer it a bit to, to this part because I had this like thought process. I thought this will be valuable because more people can relate to it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not hands down <laughs> as much as you are. So uh, it was great to get your insights on, you know, what people should be thinking about and not and, uh, you know, what to watch out for, for sure. So thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. Well, until I next hope, time. I hope yep. I hope we'll see we'll see each other again. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, I I attend a lot of virtual events, and unfortunately, those have like gotten less and less. But you know, hopefully, I can get out of my house. <laughs> I've I've set up my own three D printer in the background and a laser cutter, and I, I have too many tools now to keep me busy to travel to a conference or something. But you know, we'll see each other again for sure. <laughs> sure. Thank you so much. See you. All right. Sounds good.